Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Church, let me invite you to stand up on your feet as we continue to worship. We're going to declare that God has the victory. I encourage you to put your attention on Jesus today as we worship. No, we will lift our eyes. We won't fear the fight. There is one who's greater. And hard press on each side. We will not lose sight of the one who's greater. Come on, one name. One name. One name holds every victory. One voice that silences the enemy. One king who reigns for all.
there's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to declare this. We're going to keep on declaring and declaring this over and over again. So come on, if you're facing any circumstance, I encourage you to begin to declare that the victory is the Lord's. Come on, all over this place with hands lifted up. We're going to lift up our voice. We're going to lift up our worship. There's no one like you, G. You have the victory. circumstance where will we be without you Jesus we exalt you and no no
the victory. Somebody give him praise. I think somebody needs to catch that today, that you've been trying to fight the battle yourself, do it yourself. It belongs to God. Look at someone next to you say, it belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, there's victory in Him. There's power in that surrender. Well, you can say hello to someone else before you're seated. Welcome to City of Life Church. My goodness, what a day it already has been. A moment like that, it can shake you up, it can transform you. Because I think so often we think we have to fight the battle. Does anyone have any battles or am I just talking to me? So often we think we have to do it, but it belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. And today your, your responsibility isn't to win everything, it's to surrender everything. It's to open your life to God and let Him bring victory. He can defend you better than you can defend yourself. He can steer the situation better than you can steer it for yourself. And I really feel like that's an encouragement for someone in the room today to surrender and find the victory that comes only in God. Well, my goodness, what a day it is. There's so many amazing things going on in our church. I encourage you to lean into all of the events and announcements that our team talked about. Let me provide a little context for our COL Vintage Collection. We pulled something out of the vault today for you from when we used to host Love Strong Marriage Conference. And it's because in February, we're actually transitioning into Love Strong Sundays, where throughout the month of February, each of our Sundays are gonna help resource and equip you when it comes to things like communication, relationship building, both in friendships, dating, engagement, and marriage. We're gonna talk about how to have strong relationships. But we pulled this video out because it was an advertisement we made uh, back for our marriage conference quite some time ago. And you can see a few things when you pull something out of the vault, right? You can see like animal print was very popular. You can see that my facial hair is medically necessary at this point for me, unless I look like a child. But uh, we just, we really love to share things like that. And you'll see more from our vintage collection probably throughout the year, because we realize a lot of people are new to City of Life. And there's really no way to tell our story without showing some of our history. Some of those awkward family photos, you know, where it's like, well, look at this haircut. It's not cool anymore, but we still want to share our story with you because I'm grateful to be a part of a church that's been serving in Osceola County for well over 30 years, 30, 30 years. We're like at 36 at this point. That's a testament to God's goodness. I'm okay having a bad haircut if it means we've been in one place serving a city for decades. So we just like to share those things with you. But uh, yeah, February is gonna be amazing. So much going on in our church. But today I have the distinct honor and privilege of sharing the word with you as we continue in our series, Jesus First and Jesus Always. We chose this series to kick off the year because it embodies so much of the foundation of who we are as a church. And, and where we stand on what it means to follow Jesus. And this message is the continuation of what Pastor Jeff taught last week. If you haven't already heard his message, please go listen to the podcast. If you're watching online, you can easily go and download it or click it and listen to it at some point today. But it really set the foundation for this message. And it, it, I, I think the part that I carried with me all week long, I was meditating on it, thinking about it, was that we have this propensity to kind of construct a version of Jesus that we want to follow. He called it like a Frankenstein kind of Jesus where it's like, I take this part and that part and I'm gonna add in a little bit of what I want. And we end up trying to construct this 
kind of Jesus that's a little easier for us to follow. But following a constructed Jesus, a Frankenstein Jesus, is not following Jesus at all. We have to follow the Jesus of the Bible, what he said, who he actually is. And Pastor Jeff laid that foundation. Come on, that's good stuff right there. Who he actually is. So we can't follow him if we don't know him. So we have to know who he actually is. And so today I'm gonna continue in this series. And if we started by looking at who Jesus really is, my hope is that today through scripture, I can help illuminate what it means to actually follow Jesus. What it means to really follow him. Not just to say you're following him, not to just look like you're following him, but what does it mean to actually follow this Jesus of the Bible? And so turn with me to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine is where we'll be reading from. And to set the stage a bit, I'm reading out of uh, verse 57 in chapter nine. Jesus is walking down the road and then he encounters three different instances of people who are wrestling with the idea of following him. And we start to see what it means to follow Jesus. The organizers of scripture have labeled this passage, the cost of following Jesus. Oof, someone say cost the cost of following Jesus. So let me read it with you. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. You know, it's gonna be a good message when Jesus goes fortune cookie on this guy. <laughs> okay, Jesus, weird answer. He said to another man, Jesus said to a man, hey, you follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Quite a dense passage here that I'm gonna be preaching out of, but it's about the cost of following Jesus. What does it look like to actually follow him? So the title of this message, part two, and Jesus first, Jesus always, is check the price tag. Check the price tag. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for fighting the battle. Every victory is yours. God, I'm praying for people in the room who feel like they've been fighting a battle on their own. Lord, I'm led to pray for people who are battling in their mental health, who feel like they just have to fight and push and fight and push. God, I declare over them today that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is his joy, his peace that will lead and guide. Lord, people who feel like they have to fight to take care of themselves and the people they love. God, I declare that you are provider, you are good, and you supply our needs according to your riches and glory. God, I just sense your peace in the room. And even though we're excited about what you have for us today, Lord, we're also so aware that when our hearts get troubled, you are the peace that calms the storm in us. So I speak a word of peace over everyone in this room. Let this word ignite in our hearts today. Let us see what it means to really follow you. We ask for you to bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Check the price tag, yo, it's important. You know, if you've ever seen something that you really, really like, there's that moment where you're going, like let's say you like an outfit, 
and your hand is reaching out to check the price tag. Anyone relate to this feeling? Before you even check it, you've already made an arrangement in your head, right? It's like, okay, a hundred. A hundred is definitely the max of what I'll pay. It should be like, a hundred, right? It should be a hundred, right? And then you look, it's like 850 and you're like, okay, I need to leave this store. <laughs> like I'm not even in the right, right side of the mall. I always call it like there's the dark side of the mall, right? You know, like when you pass the food court, it's like we go over there and it's like, I'm in debt over here on this side of the mall, right? Like I, I just, I was already setting an expectation and the price tag was just way too high. And this is the way that marketing works, right? Like you see how awesome something looks in the window or you see the commercial or you see the, the trailer for a movie and it's like you are sold on the idea of what it will be like to have this thing and then after you've been sold on the feeling, sold on the idea, then we kind of slip in the price afterward and it's like, okay, that's more zeros than I thought. Like it's expensive, but you've already been sold on the idea. This is like marketing 101. Sell you the feeling, sell you how important it is, sell you how much you need it, and then at the end, slide in the price. And so often, this is how we get sold on things we don't need or actually, actually need to have in our life because we can't get over how much that feeling compelled us. I remember one time, this just came to me. This is hilarious. We were on a trip, us and the Smiths and some friends. We were in a different country. We were pretty hungry. We were going out to eat, and there was, like, a wait to get into this restaurant. So they, like, directed us to a lounge area. Wow, I haven't told this story in 10 years. So they directed us to a lounge area, and we were just waiting. I'm starving. Like, if you know me, hanger is a real problem in my life. Like, once I get so hungry, I get angry. My wife knows, like, we can't talk in that moment because I will say things I regret. Like, I'm starving. And so the waiter comes up and says, we have some bread. And I was like, please. Like, my Dominican came out fully. <laughs> I was like, bread, carbs. So I am start devouring this bread, right? So I'm just, like, eating the bread. And it's like these long breadsticks. And I'm like, bring another basket. I'm so hungry. I didn't realize that this was jalapeno bread. I, okay, first of all, I can, I can handle myself, all right? Like, I love spicy food, but we're all eating, and people are starting to, like, <laughs> like cough and, like, tear. And so we're, like, choking on this bread, and the waiter comes up, and they're like, oh, would you like water? <laughs> they ask, would you like water? We're like, yes, water, please. And they come out with this crystal bottle of water, like ornate, and we're just like, give us water. And they pour the water for us, and we're all drinking. We're like, we'll have another one, please. We're so thirsty, right? And so, like, they give us water. And then we get transitioned to our table, and they slide us a bill for the water. <laughs> $82 for water. <laughs> and I was like, they gave us that fiery bread just to sell us um, they knew what they were doing. But who would ever think to ask, how much is your water? Nobody's, nobody would ask that. Nobody would ask that question. We didn't check the price tag because we just saw the offer and took it. And we're like, yeah, just give us that. And if we would have checked the price tag, we would have behaved a little bit differently. And because that's how marketing works. Let's sell them. Let's get them hooked in. Then we'll settle it later. But Jesus does not sell himself this way at all. In fact, the very first thing he says is to count the cost. It starts with the price tag for Jesus. It's a really hard sell, Jesus. There are flashier ways you could have done this, but it's not how he works. Before anyone talks about anything, he's like, wait, before you even say yes to me, think about what it's going to cost you. Imagine if commercials just started with the price. 
<laughs> no one would buy anything. It's like Apple iPhone, $799.99. That's how the commercial ends. It's like, come see Disney's new movie in theaters. It'll be 40 bucks a ticket. <laughs> Popcorn will be $82 and water even more. We went to the circus this weekend. I went in debt for popcorn and cotton candy and lemonade. No one would sell starting with the price, but Jesus starts with the price, the cost of following me. Because he's not looking to make a quick sale on us. He's not looking for quantity of followers. He's looking for quality. People who know what they're saying yes to and know what it's gonna cost them. And so he's walking down this road and out of nowhere, we have almost no context. You guys know when I preach, I love to paint the picture for you, love to talk about context. We have almost no context. It says, as they're walking on the road, a man shouts out. This dude literally comes out of nowhere, like out of the side of the street, maybe from behind the trees. And he's like, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I really relate to this guy. He is all passion, right? Like just bursts onto the scene, doesn't even say his name. He's like, I'm in. I mean, like, that's kind of how I am. If you get me around the right friends and they're like, let's go do this, I'm like, yes, let's go do that. I'm in, like, uh, whatever, I'm down. I'll always match the energy. And this guy comes in hot and he's like, I will follow you wherever you go. He's all passion. And Jesus goes fortune cookie on him and says this strange sentence. He's like, hey, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't even know what a fox looks like. What are we talking about here? But this lays a foundation for what it means for Jesus to be first in our life. This idea, Jesus first, Jesus always. We're spending these three weeks on it so that you can really digest. I love in our lobby, the Jesus first, Jesus always sign. But this is more than a motto. It's more than a decoration. It's a foundational principle of who we are as believers what does it mean for Jesus to be first? And so today's message, there's kind of two sides to the coin. I'm preaching to those of you who maybe haven't decided about where you stand when it comes to Jesus, and maybe you came to church today looking for like what this is gonna mean for you. Then the other side of the coin, I'm preaching to people who have decided to follow Jesus, maybe followed him for a long time, but maybe have lost touch with the price tag. And I wanna bring you back to that awareness today. But Jesus says to this man, Hey, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What does it mean for Jesus to be first? I think in this first example, we see that it's Jesus first before possessions. Jesus first before my comfort. Jesus first before the things that I have. It's really impossible to teach this message without you understanding what following meant for these men in this time. It was extremely common for Jewish culture for people to select a rabbi to follow. And when we say follow, today it means I click a button on their profile <laughs> and now I'm following them. But what it meant in this day was I'm actually following you. So if you go to the town that's five miles away, I'm going five miles with you. And if you go this way, I'm going this way with you. It meant a surrender of life in a way that now changes my behavior. I'm following you, I'm dressing like you, I'm talking like you, I'm acting like you. To the degree where way later in scripture, Peter is actually recognized, they're like, wait, don't you, don't you, aren't you one of the disciples? Because you talk just like Jesus. That's what following Jesus meant, that you kind of took on his attributes. And this group of men starts following him to try to behave like him and take on his ways. That's what's happening here. So this dude comes out of the side of the road and is like, I'll follow you anywhere. 
again, I relate to this guy. I see passion leading him, passion ahead of conviction. I really, really relate to this. The ability to say, yes, I'll do it all. It's almost a little dramatic, right? To say, I'll follow you anywhere. He doesn't even know what that means. Jesus isn't just going like across the street. He's going to the cross eventually. Do you even know what following him means? But this guy's just so passionate. And I don't want to shame passion because passion is a gift. Maybe you've been in a service where it's like you're crying, the song is amazing, or the sermon's fantastic, or you go to an event or a conference, or you read something, or you hear a podcast, or you see a YouTube video, and it just grips your heart, and your emotions respond, and you say, I'll, I'll, whatever it takes, yes, Jesus, yes, I'll follow you. It's not a bad thing to have passion, but passion can never take you where conviction will. Passion is like a spark, but conviction is like a flame. Let's put a pin in this. This notion of passion and conviction, it's how the entire fitness industry works. It's January. Should we talk about it? Is it too soon to talk about it? All right, I know this space really well. And there is an entire industry that profits on people's passion over their conviction. So let's sell all these memberships. It doesn't matter that our, our space isn't big enough. They're not going to come. <laughs> it doesn't matter that we have one squat rack. They're not showing up. <laughs> let's just sell on the passion that people have. And you know what? I'm not here to shame the passion because maybe you were like, you know, I'm signing up for this thing. I'm doing this thing. I'm starting this program. Passion takes the first step, but this isn't a one-step journey. And so passion says, I'm going to do the thing. But passion alone can't take you where you want to go. And so there's a very big difference from starting a commitment to following through on the commitment, right? It's one thing to join the program. It's another thing to show up on a cold Monday morning and actually do the thing. It was cold. Y'all are committed. I almost didn't come to church and I'm preaching today. I walked outside. I was like, nope, absolutely not. So bravo on your commitment. Online family, we love you. But it's a, lot, it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of commitment to actually do the thing, right? Monday, and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then for six months, and then for a year, and then for five years. That's a way different kind of energy than just the sign-up energy. Now let's come back. Take the pin out. Let's come back to the story of Jesus. This guy's like, I'll follow you anywhere. And I think Jesus sees right through the heart of this. He's like, that's a lot of passion right now, but what happens when it gets hard? What happens when it's not so comfortable? What happens when it costs you something? Because passion doesn't carry you through discomfort. Conviction does. And what Jesus is saying, hey, where I'm going, it's not comfy. I can't promise pillows. I can't promise it's going to be easy. This life is going to cost you something. And I want to make sure that you really hear this. If you're here today and you're deciding on like, do I want to like follow Jesus no one is promising that it will be easy, including Jesus. And if you think Christianity is like a pass into an easy life, you've heard it wrong. That's like Frankenstein Jesus. <laughs> you always know you're following a constructed form of Jesus if it leads to a comfortable form of Christianity. Because the true Jesus leads the way of suffering, leads the way of the cross. It will cost you something to follow him. It's not comfortable. It's Jesus first before possessions, before my comfort. It's going to require you to change some things. But as I reflected on this, it makes a lot of sense in this story because like the guys literally had to like 
walk down the dusty road and leave their houses and go like out into the wilderness. That's not really how life looks today. So I was really meditating and asking the Lord to, to challenge me on this because it's nice to say, yeah, I'll follow Jesus while I'm sitting in my house with my air conditioner and my food in the fridge and <laughs> food in the fridge. Who am I kidding? Uber Eats on call. Like <laughs> it's really comfortable. So what does it mean for us today in 2024 to follow Jesus first before possessions? This is what I would challenge you with, that it is Jesus first before all of the things that you're trying to construct for yourself. I think the way that materialism looks in today's day and age is hustle culture. That I'm gonna go after it and I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna get that. It's like this, there is a whole like corner of Instagram you can go to that is just dripping with contempt and materialism and greed. And it's like this grind culture, this hustle culture that I gotta do this and I gotta get that. And it's this notion is Jesus first before all of those possessions, before your accomplishments, before your gains. It's before all of those things, Jesus first ahead of that. In fact, what if following Jesus messes up your hustle? In fact, surrendering to Jesus, following Jesus flies in the face of hustle culture because following Jesus is the opposite of being a self-made miracle. And to people in the church who have tried to fuse their Christianity with hustle culture, which I am so prone to do, I wanna challenge you today in how you view Jesus. Jesus is not just a tool to help your hustle get better. Because that's kind of how we approach it. It's like, oh, I hustled and I did this and I got that. And shout out to God. Thanks, God. He, he really helped me. Jesus is not your helper. He's your savior. He didn't assist you in what you're trying to do. He pulled you out of death and brought you into life. Jesus first before possessions means I am not a self-made miracle. I can do nothing without him. I am nothing without him. I can't hustle my way into anything. Then the American dream, though nice in the natural, flies in the face of what it means to be a sheep to a shepherd. I cannot pull myself up by my bootstraps because it's not true that I fell. It's true that I died in sin. There is no picking me up. I have to be resurrected. Jesus is not helping you hustle. He is giving you life again. And so Jesus first before my possessions means I surrender that hustle. I am reliant on him. I'm reliant on him. Too many people think that their provider is their paycheck. And I'll remind you, Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. And just because that paycheck comes in every two weeks, you think it's faithful and consistent. Well, what did 2020 teach you? That it ain't so solid of a rock that your career ain't so solid of a rock, that your industry that seems so secure, isn't it true that like every industry is a mess now? <laughs> all of them, they're all a mess because they are no rock for us to stand on. If you think your paycheck is your provider, you have forgotten who really is. And even if he happens to use your paycheck to provide to you, if the paycheck was gone, he could open heaven and send down manna to provide for you. He always has taken care of you. He always will take care of you. And maybe you've been hustling a little too hard to realize it. Maybe you hustled so much that you actually think you're doing it. Woo! Maybe you think, yeah, look what I did. I took care of, baby, I took care of us. Did you or were you a vessel? for a God who's providing. Husbands, I'm preaching to you. Husbands, fathers, you think, I took care of my family. Maybe you were a vessel for God to take care of your family. 
And in the moments that you haven't shown up the way you needed to, guess who took care of them still? God. God took care of your wife. He took care of your children. And if he chooses to use you, congrats, you're a tool, but it's a a privilege to be used of God in that way. It's always been him. It's always been him. And so Jesus first before my possessions is a reliance on him. I love how my wife put it so beautifully in her talk about offering. It's not that like this is my money and I'm going to choose to use it for God. It's, it's all his. It's all his and I'm reliant on you. God, what would you have me do with this? What would you have me do with this? It might mean that you have to sacrifice the hustle. But would you rather hustle or live? Because Jesus invites you into life. So this guy's super passionate. Jesus says it's not going to be comfortable. And then we see nothing else about this guy. We don't know what happens. We don't know if he's like, I don't care. I'll do it anyway. That would be an amazing response. We don't know if he said that. We don't know if he said, that's weird, that foxes thing you said, I'm out. <laughs> we don't know if he said yes, and then the first time it got difficult, he dipped. <laughs> but chances are that this story fizzled out because we hear nothing else. That this super passionate guy suddenly faded into the background. How many times has that happened in your life? Where your passion was there, and then a few weeks later, it's gone. Following Jesus first, before all of those things, before the possessions and the comfort, is a true act of reliance. So after this, then Jesus points out someone in the crowd. He says, hey, you, follow me. This shifts the story. But before we say goodbye to the first guy, I think it's important to note that maybe his mistake was that he said yes to Jesus too quickly. I know that sounds weird because like sometimes it feels like just say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. But Jesus isn't trying to sell himself. He's saying, read the terms, (laughs) check the price tag. Don't say yes so fast. I need you to know what you're saying. I need you to think about it. So the second guy is standing there, but he's quiet. And Jesus points him out and says, hey, you follow me. So something tells me this guy was like watching, like maybe heart palpitating, knowing like, uh, like I feel like I should follow this guy. And he has a list of reasons why. It's like, but this, but that, I don't know, I can't, I don't know. And Jesus calls him. So this isn't just like an act of passion. This is a moment of calling. And I believe you are called of God. And he's calling you into following him. And he says, hey, follow me. And this guy says, uh, yeah, I will, but first, but let me first bury my father. And I love the translations that literally say, but let me first, me first, me first, me first. Every every one of these people says it the same way. But let me first bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Let the dead bury their dead. What what a harsh word, Jesus. Like your marketing skills, they're not so good. But we have to understand what is actually happening here too. First, this guy is speaking in future tense. So if you hear this and think that his dad's corpse is just like laid across the kitchen table at home, and he's like, let me just go bury him real quick. That's not what's happening. First of all, the Jews were so strict about cleanliness and corpses, there would have never been a gap between his father's death and burial. It's like instantaneous. Like they do it right away. He's not saying, let me go bury my dead father. He's saying, let me wait until my father dies, and then I can bury him. And then here's the quiet part that no one said out loud and get my inheritance so that I can follow you. 
let me wait until I have everything taken care of. Because this indicates firstborn child. So in this culture, firstborn child is just waiting and waiting. This is his path. This is his plan. This is his responsibility to carry on the family name, to receive the family inheritance. If there's a family business, he's getting it. Like, this is the plan. This guy is not all passion. He's systems. I can see in his head the check boxes. And so as Jesus is coming by, this guy's like, oh, I feel like maybe I should follow him. But checkbox one, checkbox two, checkbox three. I'll put Jesus at checkbox four. And once I get through these, then I'll follow. And Jesus calls him and says, hey, follow me. And you can hear it come out of me. He's like, but I have some things first. I have to wait. I'm waiting on my dad to grow old and pass. So give me five years. Give me 10 years. It's this indefinite delay. So the first guy said yes too quickly. This guy said yes way too slowly. He's like, give me time to get it all together. And I will follow you once I've checked all the boxes. Once I got things stable and secure, once my reputation is established, once it's all good, then I'm going to consider and that's not how this works, friends. We said first before possessions. Now it's first before responsibilities and plans. Following Jesus inevitably will upset your plans. Sorry to say it. So many of us have constructed a Jesus who comes into our life and follows us in our dreams. It's like, Jesus, I'm going to bring you over to this dream that I have for myself. And I'm going to bring you over to this dream that I have for myself. I'm going to pray extra hard that you help me with this. I put it on my vision board. This thing right here. It's not him following us in our dreams. It is us following him in his dreams. That he, like a shepherd, guides us and directs us and says, Hey, these people in need over here. I'm going to bring you to them. You didn't plan this. You never, this was not on your vision board. But I'm going to use you to be a blessing to them. And now come over here to this season of solitude where it feels like all your friends have left you. I've dreamt of this time with you. And you're like, Jesus, I'm lonely. Jesus, I'm lonely. And he says, no, it's solitude. And I've dreamt of a time where you are going to grow like never in your life. Then Jesus leads you over here to a season of blessing and abundance and then he leads you to a season of reliance. And he's leading you. That's the point of what it means to surrender to Jesus before your responsibilities, before your plans. And this guy wants to check all the boxes, but Jesus says that's not how it works. First before possessions. First before responsibilities. And then there's another. In the end of the chapter, a third man comes up to him in verse 61. He said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. This one seems reasonable, right? He's like, let me just, let me just say goodbye to my family. I'll just go kiss mommy, poppy, and then I'm here. <laughs> the first guy said it too quickly. The second guy said it way too slowly. And this one just has a moment of hesitancy. I am going to follow you. Let me just say goodbye. And then Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If there's one that is maybe the hardest, I think this might be the hardest. First, before relationships. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is a hard sell. And I've seen this be the stumbling block for people over and over. Perhaps 
Never more acutely than when I was youth and young adult pastoring, I'd watch a young person get their life transformed by God, like absolutely rocked by Jesus. And they're filled with passion. They're committed. You know, like it's not like they have so many things planned in their life. So it's easy to be like, yeah, before my possessions, because I ain't got none. Before my plans, because I ain't got none. But then before my relationships, this is where the wall gets hit. And I watched young person after young person struggle with this. And it's like, on Sunday, my life got transformed. I went to youth camp. But what happens Monday in second period when I'm around all the same people again? What happens Friday night when it's the same party with the same people again? What am I supposed to do? And I think we try to create this Frankenstein Jesus that allows me to be Christian and follow you, but also still do everything I used to do with the people I used to do it with. And that is a constructed, comfortable Christianity. That's not what he's talking about. This guy says, let me just go kiss my family and say goodbye. And Jesus says, that attitude right there. Notice Jesus doesn't say loving your family is bad. That's not what he says. He says, anyone who keeps looking back like that is not fit for service in the kingdom. Because that thing that's coming up in you that makes you want to keep looking back, it's going to come up again and again and again and again. It's going to keep coming up. You know, uh, my, my, my wife mentioned it, but my son turned eight years old this week. So proud of you. Give it up for Malachi. We love you. So proud of you. Become an amazing young man. But I remember when Malachi was three. Malachi is our only son. I call him my one arrow that God entrusted me with. And he's, he's, he's an effective one. <laughs> but he is very, very aware, he's very verbal, he's very smart and talented, and he's always checking in with me and mom about how things look, and if it's okay, and if it's good, really loves that feedback. I mean, I'm kind of naturally that way too. I'm always like, I cook dinner, I'm like, was it good? <laughs> was it good? Like, I'm the same way. And so Malachi, when he was around three or four, would very fast runner, couldn't catch him, terrifying. So he's a very fast runner, but anytime he'd start running, he would do this thing where he would look at us and smile, because he wanted to see if we could see that he was running. <laughs> he wanted to see, like, do you think I'm running fast, mom and dad? Do you see how good I'm running? And me, watching him run while he's looking like this, instinctively, I was like, look where you're going! Like, over and over, because every time there's a light post or a door or a wall or the corner of a table, every single time, inevitably, and this notion of trying to do something while looking back, I think it paints the perfect picture. Now, it makes sense for a three-year-old to do that, but I think the same thing happens with us as adults when we say yes to following Jesus. We start to run, and then we look back, and we're like, do my friends approve of me? Do you guys think that's okay? Is that all right? No? Okay, what about my family? Do, what do they think of me? And we're looking back when Jesus has called us to go forward. You are either going to chase the approval of God or the approval of people, but you're never going to be able to accomplish both. You're either going to go after what he wants or you're going to be distracted by what they want. And this is the thing we try to, we try to make like peace treaties with our past and our relationships. You would not believe as both a pastor and a counselor how many times I get this question. So uh, you think I should block her or should I talk to her one more time? I get that question hundreds of times. I'm like, should I tell her that I'm blocking her? Like, first of all, why do you need to make an announcement? <laughs> Number one, 
Should I go out? Should I have dinner one more time? First of all, it ain't gonna be dinner. Like you, you're trying to like say goodbye and have one final moment with your past, but you're already called to your future. And the more that you revisit the things and people and places that Jesus tried to deliver you from, the more you're rejecting the call. You don't owe an explanation for following Jesus. You don't need to get it signed off on by three people. You don't need to have everyone agree with you living the life Jesus has called you. He's first before relationships. And in almost every other area of life, you should be mindful of others. But in this area, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what they say. Let them all laugh. Let them all reject you. Let it cost you every relationship. But you're either running with your eye on the prize or you're distracted and losing the race. You don't need people's approval to say yes to Jesus. And this is the struggle because then we're like, well, how do I do it? What if I lose the relationship? Well, that was their choice, not yours. I've been in this church my whole life. I always tell people I'm one of the easiest people to find. It's not hard to find me. I'm tall, loud, and sitting right here every week. And when my relationships have suffered and I've parted ways with people, I've had to come to the hard truth that I didn't go anywhere. What fellowship does light have with darkness? It's not to say that people are evil or we're better than people, but it's either you're following Jesus or you're not. It's one or the other. And it's going to cost you something relationally. It's going to cost you something and you have to look forward because if you try to have a Christianity that includes everything from your past, but like in a, in a nice polished way, you're messing it up. <laughs> That's not how this goes. It's not like I'm going to keep checking in with my old friends. You guys, you Okay. I'll just come once a month and hang with you. I'm going to check in with my ex. You want to come to church? No? Okay, no. Stop checking. Jesus is calling you this way, and you're trying to see how you can go that way. You're trying to bring him into your past, and he's trying to bring you into your future. You don't need to go there. First, before relationships. It's going to cost you everything that you have to give but it cost Jesus everything he had to give. And his price tag was way bigger than ours. So remember, this message is for people considering following Jesus. But the other side of the coin, those of us who have followed him and served him, I want to bring you back to that price tag. Because this isn't just a one day, one time yes. Like, oh, I said yes to Jesus in kids' church. I said yes to Jesus a long time ago. How is it impacting your life today? Is it costing you anything to follow Jesus? Is it costing you anything to, to be a follower? Or does it fit so neatly into your life that you don't feel it anymore? For example, let's take something like our finances. It's like, oh, I tithe. I've got that down. So God, there's your 10%. Now this, it's all mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. When has the bare minimum ever been enough to say, okay, I do the bare minimum, I tithe, and now everything else is mine? And so what we do is we allow Jesus to be first, but we don't allow him to be always. I'm going to give tithe, but then all the other money's mine. Let's take another example. Maybe your family. All right, guys, dinner's almost ready. Everyone come to the table. All right, everybody sit down. All right. We're going to pray. God bless his food. In Jesus' name, amen. This is good. Super cold outside. 
All right, I finished. I'm going to go. What do we think that that little sliver of time, almost like a, like a, a rabbit's foot that let's just like pray for three seconds and that makes our family somehow like aligned with following Jesus. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying don't just pray. That's the difference. You pray, you bless the food, but then what it looks like to bring Jesus into the family is, hey, let's talk about what God's saying to you today. Let me tell you, I was praying today and I felt this, or I was reading this passage, or today at church, pastor talked about this, and you actually talk about it. Let's talk about where we're failing or what we're trying harder at, what we can be praying for each other for. Actually bringing Christianity into the fabric of your home, not just like checking off the bare minimums. Let's talk about your schedule. You got seven days all this time, and you're like, okay, first, church, good for you, glad you're here, 75 minutes on Sunday. That's God's. Now, everything else, that's mine. That's Jesus first, yes, but it's not Jesus always. Instead, to be able to say, how does my schedule get affected? How does, how does God invade my life? How does he invade my possessions? You want to talk about possessions? It's, I, don't, I can't think of it anymore as my house and my living room and my dining table. I have to think of it all as his. And God, maybe this house is a place where I'm supposed to welcome people in and this dinner table is a place where I'm supposed to sit with people and talk about life in a way that makes me a little uncomfortable. And not just the flashy people that it's all fun to Instagram about, but no, like the people who maybe you're called to, not that you just wanna pretend with. Maybe your house is meant to be a place where ministry happens. And here's the comfortable Christianity. I'm gonna bring people to church, which don't stop doing that but I'm going to bring people to church and then my job is done. I'm going to give them to the Smiths. You guys got them. Thanks. Where is the involvement of Christ in our life? We're not here to be a churchian. We're here to be a Christian. And who gets to define Christianity? Christ. And Christ says it invades every part of our life. So it's not Jesus first and then my finances. It's not Jesus first and then my family. It's not Jesus first and then my dream. It's Jesus at every spot on the list. We like to give him number one, those of you who followed him for a long time, and then we claim two through 10 for ourselves. But in reality, it needs to be Jesus line one, Jesus line two, Jesus line three. It's Jesus first and then Jesus in my family, Jesus in my finances, Jesus in my behavior. Your life needs to be transformed by your following of him, not just a little part of it devoted to him. That's the, that's the danger for those of us who've done this a while, is that we create the holy and the common, or the sacred and the secular, and we put God in these little holy boxes in our life on Sunday morning, in this building, in 10% of our money, and we say, God, that's your box, and this is mine. Instead, he's always wanted to break out of the tabernacles and temples and boxes that people have put him in, and he wants to invade every part of your life. That your life is transformed. What about your language? Can people tell you follow Jesus by the way you talk? Or is it just a bumper sticker? That you're talking at work complaining about everything and the only way they know if you're Christian is like, hold on, let me go check the back of your car. Oh, they are a Christian. No, they should hear it in every word. They should hear it in every conversation. You know what it could look like? Where two people are complaining about how tough life is, how crazy things are, marriage is tough, life is tough, money's tough. You know what a Christian sounds like in that situation? I hear you, man. I hear that things are tough and I don't have all the answers and I feel it too, but I can feel that it's like real heavy for you. Can I 
pray with you for a second? Like right here, I'm not just gonna give you the link to my church. I'm not just gonna say I'll pray for you. Can I pray for you right here? Can I bring Jesus into this situation? Can I like pray for you for your marriage, for your finances? It sounds like things are tough. And you're validating your bumper sticker right there. It's more than just a motto, more than just a tattoo, more than just a t-shirt. You're actually living this out. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to put him first in all those things and always in all those things. So let me give you this question for reflection. I, I think it'll challenge you. Other than Sunday mornings, how has following Jesus changed my life this week? Other than Sunday morning, how has following Jesus changed my life this week? And if you're feeling an internal, uh-oh, good. It's a great feeling that can cause change. I'm not here to condemn. I'm not here to say you're doing it wrong. I'm here to say there's so much more for you. And as a church kid who's followed Jesus my whole life, I get so inspired that it's not plateauing, that it's not just how it's always been. No, I can grow. I can bring him into my work better. I can bring him into my friendships better. I can bring him into my marriage, into my fatherhood, into my mental health, into everything that I do better. And so I think that's a cold, hard question for us to look at. And if this week it didn't really show up other than right here, then maybe this coming week you have an opportunity to take your commitment and bring it into action. Because the way many Christians live, let's go back to the gym for a second, is I got the membership. Many Christians walk into the gym once a week on Sunday morning and then walk out. Showing up is important. You can't change without showing up, but you can't change by just showing up either. You actually have to get in there and add some discipline and add some weight and add some form and do it over and over and over and over. Christianity is never going to change you if it's just something you spectate because that's not what it's ever been. It's the difference between watching the playoff and getting down on the negative nine degree field and playing in the playoff. That's what it is. It's getting into it for yourself. And today I think we have an opportunity to be transformed by the series and by the message of Jesus, to check the price tag, to know what it costs so that we can actually live it out because it is so worth it. His way of life, though costly, is the way to true life. Everything else in the world that beckons your attention and time and energy, it will slip through your fingers. Life is but a vapor, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him, and what he has for us is incorruptible. He allows us to lay up treasure in heaven. He allows for us to have a life that is abundant, and it is bigger than us. His way is better, even though it's costly. And so today I wanna to invite you, if you haven't followed Jesus that way, I wanna pray with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? If you're here and you don't know him that way, I wanna pray with you. And I've spent the last 30 so minutes explaining the cost, the price tag. So I know that today it's different. It's not just emotionalism, it's not just hype. You're making a decision to put him first before possessions and comfort, before responsibilities and plans, and before relationships and your past. Not just first, but always. Not just first before, but always in. It's a real surrender today. If that's you, I wanna pray with you. Would you just slip your hand up so I can know who I'm praying with? Thank you. Wow, there's such purity to a moment like this. If you're watching online, type I need Jesus in the chat right now. Our moderators are gonna connect with you. Yeah, so many people. 
Would you pray this prayer along with everyone in the room out loud with me? Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I wanna live for you from this day forward. From now on, it's Jesus first and Jesus always. I repent, which means I turn away from my way of life and I surrender to yours. In your name, amen. Oh, come on, can we celebrate with those who prayed this prayer? This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.